Morning, church. It's great to see you today. Uh, as you know, we've been going through our theme of loving Jesus, and this isn't so much of a departure as a continuation in a slightly different vein. Uh, we really want to chat to you about what's unfolding around us, and our role is to pastor, to shepherd, and to lead this church through um, what is unfolding. And so to stand up and talk about anything else would feel remiss this morning. Um, so obviously, we're living in unprecedented times. But heaven's invitation to us as children of God is to arise and shine at this moment. We in Skylark Church have honestly been preparing for moments like this for a very long time. God has been preparing us. We've been talking for years about singing in the darkness. And we've had opportunities to do that on a personal level and a corporate level. And now it looks like we're going to be doing it on a global level, along with our brothers and sisters across the world as we see coronavirus proliferating. I want to start by saying we don't feel afraid. We don't feel threatened but we feel it's important to be prayerful and it's important to apply wisdom to the faith that God is giving us. So in the middle of unprecedented times, heaven's invitation for those of us who love and know Jesus is to arise and shine, to allow his glory to rise upon us so that others can look against the blackness and the gloom that they see around around them in our world today and notice that the church of God is shining brighter than ever before, that we are loving our neighbor more than ever before, that we are connected to God and to one another. John 16 verse 32 is a really great framing verse for where we find ourselves right now. Take careful notice, this is Jesus talking, an hour is coming and has arrived when you will all be scattered, each to his own home. I've omitted a tiny bit there, just so that I can focus on the most relevant bits. But feel free to look up the bit that I've omitted. It's not for any sinister reason. I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace. In the world, you have tribulation and distress and suffering. But be courageous, be confident, be undaunted, be filled with joy. I have overcome the world. There's so much talk on social media at the moment about fear versus faith. And it makes me really sad that we are polarizing ourselves into these crazy camps. As we heard so beautifully from Matt earlier on, the, the thing that the Lord impressed upon him is it's okay to feel fear at times like this. That is not a lack of faith. And very sadly, I've seen church leaders and apostolic leaders and Christians 
quote verses um, in isolation that suggest that for those of us who love Jesus and follow Jesus, no disease will befall us, no plague and pestilence will come to our door. And it grieves my heart because that is not what I understand. And definitely, that's not the God I worship. You see, the thing about the God I worship is that he's Emmanuel. He became one of us to dwell amongst the mess, the carnage, the chaos, the sickness, the suffering and the distress. And so if we honestly think that knowing Jesus is a get out of jail free card that gives us immunity from sickness or suffering, I've got a news flash for you. That's not right. It doesn't mean that the word of God isn't true. It means that we've interpreted it badly. And if we read the whole of scripture, we will understand very clearly, as we see in these verses, that Jesus is saying, yep, you will have trouble. There are going to be things that affect you just as much as they affect your neighbor down the road. And make no mistake about it, God loves your neighbor down the road who doesn't know Jesus every bit as much as he knows you. And the ugly thing that happens as we amplify out those kind of verses and quotes that people are are using at the moment that really trouble me is that what we're basically saying is because we know Jesus, we're somehow more important to him than somebody else. How can that be right, church? That's not the God that we follow. God so loved the world. That's every single human being on the planet. So could we please avoid using scripture as some kind of talisman or mantra? We can definitely lean on the word of God. But we also need to understand that every single human being on the planet matters to Jesus. And he's giving us an opportunity to love well. So let's not polarize fear and faith in that immature way. Let's just think about the fact that to be people of faith is also to apply wisdom to our faith and to make decisions accordingly. We are not called to be reckless or foolish. There's a beautiful passage that's one of our favorites. You will have heard both of us preach on this many times, but I just want to focus in here on some verses. There's a great army coming against the people of God, and um, Jehoshaphat, who is ruling at the time, he decides to call a fast, and he's dismayed by what he sees. So he's feeling the fear, but he knows that the response should be to gather together to pray and to seek the Lord. And the cool thing is that the Lord gives a solution through a guy called Jehaziel, and this is what the Lord says. Be not afraid or dismayed at this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. But then this is what he says. Go down against them tomorrow. Wait, what? You just said it's your battle, God. It's it's down to you. there's, There's nothing that we need to do. It's your battle. But he clearly says, go down against them tomorrow. In other words, go and face your adversary. Let's skip to verse 17. You need not fight in this battle. Take your positions. Stand and witness the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord is with you. I think that kind of tells us everything that we need to know. He is going to give us peace. He's asking us to try not to be afraid. 
But he's also very clearly saying and says to us that we are supposed to be part of the solution, that we go out and we take our positions in a time of crisis where it would be easy to be dismayed. We are not to stand superior or lofty, but we are to stand shoulder to shoulder with our neighbors and to take our positions. He is with us. That's his promise. Not that trouble won't come, not that we are immune from it, but that he is with us through it. One of our vision statements, in fact, it's the final vision statement. You probably stop reading them as you come into church. It's the kind of thing you do when you first visit and you go, wow, those are really cool. And then you kind of just forget they're even there. They just look like decoration. But I want to read this to you because this is evidence that God has been preparing us for this time right now. We see a church not defined by a building or confined to a Sunday but aligned with heaven and designed to make a difference to the ends of the earth. It's time for us to be the church like never before. The truth is that we have been preparing and strategizing all week for firstly how we could gather today and keep people as safe as we possibly are able to. But beyond that, we're preparing for a time where we may not be able to gather together on a Sunday in the way that we usually do, or even in small group settings. And within that, there have been lots of different decisions and options that we've been looking at. But we feel strangely excited that this is an opportunity for us to discover whether the things that we have been sowing in and that the Lord has been sowing into us week in, week out for a very long time are so deeply embedded into our DNA, so deeply embedded into our hearts and lives, that against this backdrop, we can be the church like never before. We're going to find ways to enable us to connect with one another, and I'll come on to that shortly. But I also want to remind us that one of our distinctives as Skylarks is that Skylarks don't make their nest in trees. They make their nests on the ground. And that speaks of a vulnerability, it speaks of a humility, and it speaks very much of dwelling side by side with our neighbor, with those people that we do life with, with our city, with our nation, and with the rest of humanity across the world. It may leave us more exposed, but that's our call, that's who we are. So our priorities for Pete and I and the leadership team as we've been thinking and praying and strategizing is we want to make sure that each of us continues to love God well and to love each other well. And when I talk about loving each other well, I am talking about our city and our neighborhood and our district as well as this beautiful church family all of those that we come into contact with. So we've been putting measures in place to help us remain connected. When it comes to the Sunday gathering, it's relatively easy for us to harness technology. So we will make sure that at 10 a.m. on a Sunday, should the time come, and short of a miracle, I think it will be coming relatively soon, possibly even 
this time in a week, where we can't gather on a Sunday. We will post on our Facebook page and we will also send out via church suite our Sunday message as usual. We're also working on a Spotify playlist of all our favorite worship songs that we enjoy and have been enjoying for the last couple of months so that you can be worshiping in the comfort of your own home or on your way to work for those who are still going to work. As you're round and about, you can be worshiping um, as we ordinarily would. Every single day, if it comes to a point where we stop gathering on a Sunday, in between times, we have committed that we will post up a daily word of encouragement for us as a church and beyond. We want to offer hope. We want to speak life. We want to keep us connected to God and encouraged in our spiritual journey. But church, listen, Sunday is not the pinnacle of our walk with Jesus, and it never has been. It's our petrol station. It's the place where we get a fueling for being scattered and being sent out as the church, and we know it, but now we get an opportunity to really see if we believe it on another level. So please don't think that that's the most important part of our strategy. It's not. What we really want to do is to ensure that in a time of crisis that everyone is cared for and no one is isolated. So if such, if such a time comes where our staff team can't come to work or we release them to work from home, we're going to be changing their job descriptions. We're going to be making sure that our priority is to make sure that every single person that is signed up to church suite, that's some 600 adults plus their children, are connected, that we have a strategy for contacting you, that we make sure that each of you get a phone call or a message or some form of contact. We've already briefed our core team, that's life group leaders, department leaders, those who head up events or gatherings in the life of the church, and said, we need to use you in this. We want you guys to keep people that you know and love and a part of your teams connected like never before. But listen, guys, I'm putting the call out to each of us because to be the church, we each have to take responsibility for that. Who do you know in and through the life of Skylark Church family that is vulnerable? Who do you know that actually isn't here today and possibly won't receive contact because they're not part of a life group or are unable to gather for health reasons? Those are the people that we want to become aware of. But I want to say, before you pass it back to, quote, unquote, the church, just remind yourself, we are not some centralized corporation. We're a body. So if you see a need, you meet it first. If you are unable to meet it because you yourself have a more pressing need, bat it back to us. But increasingly, we're going to be using social media as a tool to say, guys, we've become aware that this person needs this thing. Who lives in the vicinity? Who can help? And we're going to ask you to raise your hand high and go, that's me. I could do something. We will never, ever ask you to jeopardize your own safety in the process. That would be irresponsible and that wouldn't be caring for you well. So we'll be applying wisdom to that. But if there are solutions and needs that we can meet in our family, it's down to each of us. We are not a corporation and we never signed up to become CEOs of some crazy entity where everything is centralized. That's not it, okay? You're getting it? Yay, awesome. So, rest assured, 
we have strategies in place, we are also going to think about how we can love our neighbours incredibly well. And we've got some suggestions and some thoughts about that. Um, again, what we don't want to do is to create some centralised system, because that actually prevents us from taking up the beautiful mantle of opportunity that God is giving each one of us to be the church to be Jesus incarnate wherever we are. And so we're going to be throwing out some ideas. You can take us up on them or you can choose not to. But could I suggest that you take a look at your immediate community, those people that live in closest proximity to you, and you begin to get a handle on who might need you to be salt and light in the days and weeks to come. Could you run and get a prescription for somebody that needs repeat prescription but is in self-isolation? Could you run some errands? for somebody who is elderly and at risk and therefore keeping themselves at home? Could you set up some kind of group WhatsApp or Facebook page for your neighbours and your neighbourhood so that needs can be flagged up and people can connect and become less isolated? There are loads of things that you could do. People are our currency. People are our currency. And so we're going to make it our mission that when a time and when the time comes, that we rise and shine and that we continue to lead you, that we continue to guide you, but most importantly, we keep loving one another well, as I know we will. I just want to finish before I hand over to Pete by saying this. At CORE on, um, on Wednesday night when our CORE team were gathered, FA invited us to think about the things that we were thankful for. And I sat there and thought, I have been part of this beautiful church family now for 18 years. And I could not be more thankful for this church family. And that is each one of you and those who are listening online and those of you who are maybe watching online as we post up this video. We're grateful for you. We're grateful for this beautiful church family. And we absolutely know that who we say we are, skylarks that sing in the storm, that find a song in every season, is going to come to the forefront like never before. And so we will continue to flourish in hard places. In fact, I believe that the church of God always flourishes more in hard places and spaces. So this is a unique opportunity for us to bloom where God is planting us. We had this idea of just standing next to each other, but I was just letting Nikki know it's quite a long time to stand. You may want to sit. And she jumped at that chance. Okay. Just changing the slideshow at the back, and then we'll be ready to go. Okay, cool. Most of what... I want us to do this morning is to receive from Holy Spirit and I seem to have got a soundtrack to that which is quite beautiful that I wasn't expecting but it's quite nice a bit of piano tinkling away if you heard that um, that was good <laughs> I did actually really like it but I want us to be allow ourselves to be ministered to by Holy Spirit <clears throat> and what I want to bring is something that happened organically at Extol at the worship practice on Thursday night we had this time of receiving from Holy Spirit and actually dedicating some serious time to it. Uh, but before that, I just want to talk about the
the times and talk about the fact that we find ourselves ourselves in shifting sands in uncertain times and as has been said to us we'll be feeling anywhere from fearful to not fearful at all we'll be feeling completely like no this is this is going to be no problem we've got this to oh my gosh what is going to happen people some people here in this room will have secure salaries that can they can continue to be employed for a few months and there are some people who are thinking if my money doesn't come in if jobs dry up that is a nightmare there are people who have fear about loved ones and family members both my parents are in their 80s i'm not fearful but i do i do think it through i do think about it all and i think i'm maybe not fearful at the moment because it feels a bit surreal still <laughs> maybe that's it too and maybe some of us will get more of a realization as time goes on but these are uncertain times and it's okay as matt so brilliantly put it to us earlier on actually matt and andrea they basically said what i want to say but it's okay for us to feel uncertain it's okay for us to to not always have all the answers to not know what's going on when everything gets shaken down 1 corinthians 13 tells us there are three things that get left at the end faith hope and love and i want to speak about a couple of those just really briefly before we have this chance to be filled again or for the first time with holy spirit and his power so let's start by looking at, at hope. If this works, it'll be amazing. Can I draw that line there? Did that do anything? <laughs> Come on. Uh, I don't know how to not do that anymore. No, that got rid of it. <laughs> Rats. Oh, I should have practiced the last bit of how to make it go live. Anyway, we're going to look at hope. I'll play with that some other time. You see, what have, what have you put your hope in? What is your hope in? We very easily ask that question in times, in the good times. It's very easy to ask when Joseph is leading the people and you know, there's, there's 14 years, there's going to be seven years of good, things, good times and seven years of famine. Asking the people how they're doing regarding food and food storage during the good seven years is probably very different from how you're doing with food in year 10. And so it's easy for us to, to always say the same words and to, and to think, yes, no, I have put my hope in Jesus. My hope is in Jesus and in Jesus alone. And then when the, the shifting sands of this circumstance hits us, we can be like, oh gosh, I've got loads of my hope in my job. I've got loads of my hope in not being ill. I can't, I can't bear being ill. I can't, I'm not good being ill. I can't cope with it. I've got loads of my hope in this, that, and the other. We want to be a people who can still put our hope in Jesus. I've been looking at the, the way that our government seems to be responding so differently to the rest of the world. And... Boris, when he came out with his two advisors, he kept saying, we're, going, we're following the science, the science, the science. And he, he uses that phrase. And I think, well, surely the rest of the world is using the science. Why do we interpret the science so differently? Why is, well, I was always taught science is science. These are the facts. You know, it's science or faith. Well, I, I couldn't believe in God because I'm a, I'm a, I believe in science and I just want to be told this is right and wrong. I was told when I was doing my, choosing my A-levels, you know, if you pick one, if you're good at the sciences, pick those because it's going to be easier to get your high grades because you're either right or wrong. Whereas if you're writing an essay, someone remarking it might not like your opinion and it's a lot more open to interpretation. But science is either black and white. And suddenly we find ourselves in a time when science is being questioned and interpreted in different ways. And it's going to, it's going to cause a shaking, I believe, in people's foundations, which actually allows Holy Spirit to whisper into their lives. 
It allows us as the church to rise up and to, to show another way. Not to smack with a Bible, but just to love people and show them that there is something that they can put their, someone they can put their hope into that is even more secure than the science they've trusted in for so long. The hope of the Bible is strong and confident expectation. Such a strong word, and we've mentioned that before, but I want to say it again now. Hope is not wishy-washy. Hope is not, I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. Our hope in Jesus is, is strong and confident in who he is. Allow that to minister into you. If you're feeling fearful, this is not the antidote to fear, but this will help. My hope in you, Jesus, is strong and it is confident because of who you are. Our hope in Jesus is one of the things that will see us through this time. Our world needs this hope. Our friends do. Our families do. Our colleagues need hope. Psalm 62.5 is beautiful. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. Psalm 147.11 says, The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. And we've spoken on this one before too. Hebrews 9. 619. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Our opening song, Emmanuel, and all of the things that have been said, and Nikki's saying it, God is with us in the storm, not, not taking us out of the storm. He's not airlifting us away. He's not transporting us to another realm. He's coming down on a zip wire to help us in our situation rather than exiting us out of it. You don't need an anchor in a storm unless there's a stormy sea. But do remember that the anchor that we have will hold us secure even when there's a storm. Because even when there's a storm on the surface, deep down, there is peace. There is still. There is calm. There's the ability to be anchored securely. And that's what we need and that's what our world needs. And maybe you need to hear that again today. You don't need an anchor unless there's a storm. So if you're feeling tossed about by a storm, that's okay. Jesus is your anchor this morning. Life can throw up many circumstances. We can feel like the boat of our lives is being buffeted by the wind and waves. Maybe we're being overwhelmed by the storm. Maybe we feel like we're being overwhelmed by a virus that suddenly is taking on the world. We all go through these times. But many people in the world are doing it without an anchor. Let us have a heart that breaks for those people who don't have an anchor during this storm. We have an anchor that says to us, come what may, come what may, my hope is secure in Jesus. My life is secure in his hands. Imagine just for a moment not having that anchor and this storm coming against you. How would you feel? That's how... A, most people, somewhere inside, are going to be feeling. So we need to be the hands and feet of Jesus like never before. And that takes us on to the next bit of faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. Loving your neighbor as yourself being the second greatest commandment. And Nikki's going to do her part two of her sermon bit on that. We've got stories like the Good Samaritan that we know so well. What does this story teach us, for example? 
It teaches us to go the extra mile for the outcast, to go the extra mile for the person who's in trouble, to love people with your possessions, with your time, with your money. And we have an opportunity to do it at the moment because we find ourselves in this small window, I believe, which is like the years of plenty. We're actually not confined yet. We have an opportunity to to continue to speak hope and life and truth into people face-to-face. All right, two metres apart, but face-to-face. Pretty soon we're going to need to do it a bit more on the phone, on Skype, FaceTiming people, checking in. We've still got, amazingly, we have the technology in this day and age to stop people feeling isolated if we'll use it. There's this verse in Romans 12 that talks about your love being sincere, but in the New Living Translation, it says it like this, which I love. Don't just say you love people, really love them. Don't just say you love people, really love them. What a challenge that is. That's a massive challenge to me. It's easy for me to say I love my city. I love my city. It's easy for me to say I love you guys. I love you guys. I love this church family. It's amazing. Don't just say you love people, really love them. Oh, oh, that that is a different level of challenge. And that's what we're being called to at this time. We're called to it all the time, but what better time than to do it now? Don't just say you love people, really love them. In Acts 10, we've got the story of Peter and Cornelius. And uh, Peter starts speaking about, he's just telling the, the story about Jesus and When he gets to verse 38 of Acts 10, he says this, or verse 37. You know what's happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, then verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. Jesus healed the sick, did all the things that he did, but he did it in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we have an opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus at the moment to bring hope and life into a hurting world. But if Jesus needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit to complete his mission, how much more do we need it? But how regularly do we forget? How do we think, oh, I remember I was filled with the Spirit 20 years ago, I was filled with Holy Spirit 10 years ago, or whatever. We need to be continually filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And I've been really challenged by this recently, and We're getting to what I want us to do practically to respond. And if we can, guys, if just as we come to the end, could we not put the slide up? Can you collect your children if if we just overrun by a couple of minutes? Because I feel God wants to just get this done in us. You see, we need to be, and this was said earlier on as well, but we need to be filled to be sent. So we're coming to the end of our, our time here together today and we're being sent out into the world to be salt and light, maybe like never before. We need to be filled up to be sent out. Yeah, we talk of it, this place being a, a service station, a garage where we get filled up with fuel and scent, but we're actually going to commit 10 minutes of standing, if we're able to do it for 10 minutes, with our arms open, even if we feel uncomfortable, I'd like to challenge you to do it, to allow Holy Spirit to come and fill us up. Now, I did this when we went away with the New Wine leaders a couple of weeks ago, and for the first three or four minutes, I just stood there with my hands out, and suddenly, it was like I had an electrical thing on my abs. I suddenly had that happen. I thought, oh, cool. And I don't get that kind of thing happen to me. That one wasn't me putting it on. (laughs) I don't get that one kind of happening to me 
very often, but God has been recently, when he's filling me up, I just get like a little electric shock. Maybe he's strengthening my core muscles. I don't know what he's doing. As we stand here, I'm not, not for the six-pack reason, <laughs> my actual core, um, although six-pack's fine. What, what a good side effect. I don't know what's going to happen. For some people, you might just stand there and think, I don't know that anything's happened. Trust me, Holy Spirit wants to meet with us all. Okay, so if you don't feel it, don't beat yourself up. Some people will laugh, some will cry, some will shake, some will do other things. It's cool. It's cool, okay? It was beautifully explained to me in this way that when, when the dis- disciples were in the boat in the storm and suddenly Jesus came to them walking on water, they're petrified. They're terrified of Jesus. And this is Jesus that they love, but they're terrified of Jesus. And he says, take heart, take courage, don't be scared, it's me. And when Holy Spirit starts to work in somebody and it makes them start to shake and cry, you might look and be terrified and think, what's going on? And I just want us to be encouraged that Jesus would say, don't be afraid. This is me. You've never seen this part of me before, but it's okay. I can walk on water and I can also make people respond with an ab maxer move or with something else. I don't know why, he, why we respond physically to God in different ways, but let's be okay with the fact that Jesus is doing something new. And then what's beautiful about that story is, don't, don't be scared, this is me. And then there's an invitation to come and join. So you don't have to be scared. Jesus is inviting you to something deeper this morning. But I feel if we just try to go out and be his hands and feet in our own strength, that's where we fail. So we're going to do it in his. So Andrew, I'd like to invite you up and the band that I've spoken to, please. The reason I know that this is a God response this morning, this is not my comfort zone (laughs) to do these types of responses. This is why we don't do this every week. Okay, so why don't we stand up? Stand to our feet if we can. Okay, let's just put our hands out into a sort of position where we might receive something. Holy Spirit, I invite you to come and to fill us up. We invite you personally. Come, Lord. Come and have your way. We can't do this in our own strength. We don't want to do this in our own strength.
Lord, help us to be good at receiving. 